0: Welcome, everybody. This is the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience for September 8th, 2021. Um, last week, we had a really big show. This week is going to be, I think, a little bit more meandering, but um, there's just so much to talk about, so much to put into context, and that is what we are here to do. So, Brian, you started off uh, by observing something new about my Twitter profile. I imagine we're going to get into a bunch of things related to stuff that Twitter has been doing. Uh, specifically, they launched communities today in a limited test, and so I think I want to—I don't know—run some thoughts about this, you know, by you. But but let's start with your initial observation.
1: Well, let's uh, let's talk about communities specifically. Yeah. Um, Explain it to me, in in a sense, because have you have you have you you haven't been in one yet?
0: Have you? I have not. No, I feel like I've sort of there's like these you know garden hedgerows that have like popped up suddenly in the middle of the Twitter multiverse, and I'm walking around it and peeking inside and trying to jump over the the hedge to see like what's happening. Um, But alas, it is a limited rollout, as so many things on Twitter are. I feel like it's a completely fractional or no fractional, um, fractured. User experience for a lot of people because we're all in different A B C D E F G tests going on simultaneously. But to answer your question, no, I am not in one yet. Um, but I've seen a few screenshots uh, that relate to that. And okay, I'll, so I'll then a few tweets of some of the stuff that I've discovered also.
1: Right. So then, answer my other question, which is in a broad way, what's this now?
0: <laughs> what, what, it, what what are Twitter communities?
1: I mean, basically. Yeah,
0: uh, it's, a, it's a good question, yeah. actually. Um, <sighs> let me let me start by saying that I think that grafting a community architecture onto the Twitterverse, given the way that it's been designed and where there's sort of a public and private, you know, profile setting, and that's about it, I think is a really hard, just circumstance uh, from a product designer perspective to build community functionality into. And so what it seems like you can do is you can create a community which is somehow adjacent to or related to or not related to at all to topics. And when you, let me think if I can sort of map out how this might technically work. Now, if you are a creator of a community, you're a moderator of a community, when you go to post a new tweet, there is now a dropdown. And in that dropdown, it'll say everyone, or it'll have your list of communities. And so this is sort of a way to have a more faceted profile you know, experience where you can just post stuff to your NFT friends or to your sports friends or to your comic book friends or whatever it might be. And in that way, those tweets can be seen by everyone on Twitter, but they can only be interacted on by people who are also in that community. So, like I said, it is kind of like you know garden hedgerow that keeps you know other people out of your little garden party you know on your property, but anybody else can kind of see what you're doing.
1: Okay, let me let me try to clarify for a second. Okay, so um, Arsenal Football Club. Yep. That uh, I have my certain people on Twitter that I follow for Arsenal. In theory, is it that or these like? Conversely, would it be could we create a tech meme ride home yep. community? Yep. Right. It's it's both or something.
0: <laughs> yes, and in, in fact, I'm going to update the uh, the description of this space to be um, let's say at join communities because there was a whole brouhaha about the Twitter communities username, I guess. They'd taken over at communities, sort of, you know, secretly. And then, you know, some of us discovered it. And it turned out that someone, this guy named Dan, actually owned that account. And he was not so happy that they used eminent domain to grab his handle. So, you know, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but anyways, it's join communities now is the username. Um, you know, and if I as we get folks from Twitter, if you guys want to come up, actually happy to, you know, talk to you. I'm looking at you, Leah, of course. Um, but yeah, so there, there are a few uh, screenshots, actually, that I have shared, and I'm trying to find those. I did I did post a tweet from Kayvon, and one of the things that he said, what I thought was pretty interesting, um, let's see, so tweets that you post in communities are, quote, narrow casted to only the people in that community. They're still public tweets, but they aren't amplified to all your followers, and they don't show up on your profile. Ah, that's that's interesting. Okay. We think that this can help lower the pressure of talking on Twitter. So, of course, Fleets was intended to be that low pressure context for activating more Twitter users to actually Mm -hmm. contribute to the network. And that failed. So tweets are gone, rip tweets, rip fleets, whatever they're called, fleets. Um, And now they have communities. So that's interesting. So it is sort of a... I don't know, not a side... It is sort of a side-posting, side-channel type of way of getting people to contribute more without it actually going on their permanent record. The second thing that Kayvon said was that communities have moderators, and these mods determine what the rules and social norms are within that community. They'll be able to enforce these rules, norms, on their own, which includes hiding tweets, kicking people out, etc. So, you know, like, I would say that it's some basic primitive rules um, for cultivating these environments, and ideally, they'll... um, I don't know, create more. I would say to me, and I I I tweeted about this before. It feels like Twitter is sort of pursuing something like Reddit, where it is a place for your interests, and you can subscribe and, get yeah. updates and you know, you don't have to necessarily create a whole profile that's your permanent record of everything you've ever said for all time. You can have your Arsenal tweets but they're not there for everyone to see. So your profile might become more like a LinkedIn or a public sort of persona that you want to broadcast to the world. And if people find you, you know, in search or something, it represents that aspect of your life. But the smaller, more nuanced things that, you know, you don't want to broadcast go to uh, communities.
1: Well, if it's um, right, like if you join the communities or create them, right, essentially, um, so, like, as a subreddit, like if they're talking about moderators and things like that. So that again, if we use this idea of there would be, you know, an Arsenal fan base that could be tens of millions of people, then it would function as a subreddit where um, my tweets would go there if I if I decide that they're Arsenal related tweets, and then at the same time, if I created a Tech meme right home one. Then I'd be the moderator. That would be essentially the the moderator of a subreddit, basic. Yeah. Am I
0: right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. And so in okay. that case, okay. you know, you could be the owner or the creator of the community, and then you could make me a moderator. And so then I have, you know, a sort of a lesser set of activities that I could do in relation to the group. I can't delete it. I can't, you know, um, maybe change right, some of the metadata, right. but I can enforce some of the rules you know, to keep things on topic, for example. So if someone, you know, joins my new NFT club and they start, you know, pumping something or trying to shill their project, and I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not what this space is about, I would be able to remove them or any moderator, for example, that I've deputized with those controls. Um, Can I
1: ask you a question, which is, you know, the the joke of Twitter not iterating or, or yeah. shipping new product is, is, is so old at this point. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but um, with things like, like I didn't even talk about like the, the remove a follower tool and things like that. Um, uh, they were testing edge-to-edge pictures, which I passed on oh, talking about. things I think they've actually launched like that. that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the idea that maybe Twitter is thinking of itself Of forget about like, well, can we shove stories into anything? Because even Twitter couldn't do that. But Uh um, is Twitter now thinking of itself that it could be any sort of social? Do you know what I mean? Like, it it seems like they're trying to graft on to, and some of them might not work, but they're trying to graft on to any idea of a community, of a social thing, even more than like Facebook has ever tried at this point.
0: Well, let me first say that I can't speak for Twitter. Obviously, I've never worked there, and I'm just uh, an active, heavy user. I know. And, and I observe what <laughs> I Twitter. know. Um, so, no, I um, I think what you're asking so, – so let me also comment on what you said about Facebook. I mean, honestly, Facebook has tried and continues to try to, you know, both – every different permutation of i think social software that's possible they're constantly doing experiments they're redesigning their composer the you know the feed is is roughly their core product that they just can't fuck with like that's their advertising base that's everything uh, but groups is also very very important to them and i think i don't know if there's some theory of change that twitter is working under or the twitter product team is working under except that One, they recognized that they needed to change, you know, whether that's related to the Elliott management, you know, coming in and putting a fire under Jack's ass or not, I don't know. But the other thing is that social is just changing, you know, and the creator economy is coming more um, competitive. And so you've got to do two things. You've got to bring a lot of audience. You've got to figure out how to get creators paid. You've got to get them building businesses or micro businesses on the platform and then you've got to give people a lot of things to do, you know, it's sort of like building like a mega mall where people can just kind of like, you know, walk around and find things and think it's cool. You know, Twitter is not in the streaming, you know, uh, movies space. So the content that is on Twitter is made by the users and the users have been contributing an amazing content for a long period of time. But now it's uh, how do you slice and dice it and actually break it into the component parts or maybe part? so that people can actually get the very content that they want when they want it and when something is going on. you know. So for example, when a new TV show drops, you want to hop into a Twitter space to talk to your community about that new TV show or sports game or whatever, sports ball. Um, and you want to talk to folks who maybe you have some affinity or connection with. And that's been really, really hard to do. It's, it's very been, you know It's been random and scattershot and you know, you're like, who am I even talking to? And you can't build up intimacy over time because of that, the, the nature of the network. So communities creates that place of persistence where I can leave the app, go away for a couple days, come back, and then I can see what my community's up to. And I've been seeing some of this, to some extent, happening in private DM groups on Twitter. It's a very awkward platform for DMs, to be honest, relative to you know, Telegram or even Facebook Messenger or Instagram. But a lot of that activity, if it goes off into private channels... And that actually kind of hurts the overall Twitter ecosystem. So more of that content should show up in public feeds, but it just might restrict who can access or jump into those conversations because they're in those little walled spaces.
1: It, it is so interesting that they keep coming back to this idea of we want to reduce the friction of people using our product because mm-hmm. like, even something like Discord... Where it's like if 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 your your average user is still like hesitant to tweet because they're not exactly sure who they're tweeting to or what will happen if they mm-hmm. do it. Yep, yep. Like I feel like in a place like Discord, which in a way feels like more wide open and crazy, yep. like you don't have that sort of hesitancy from users or so so that that, that suggests that users understand better what happens when they um, contribute to something like that, you know, I I think it's,
0: it's a really good point. Um, Or at least it, it uh, exposes a seam um, between two different modes of communication. So, there are two contexts where I I notice this behavior happen. Um, one is on yes Discord. The other is on Telegram. I follow Durov, the the founder and CEO creator, whatever the sort of mysterious James Bond like character that you know runs Telegram. And every time he posts something on telegram, which is basically, you know, he has a post, which is like a blog post. It goes out to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who follow him or something like all over the world. And it's that behavior where people jump in and they want to be the first person to like comment. And they don't really even care. It's, it's the very, it's Mm. a very strange, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of chum in the water kind of piranhas all jumping all at once. And it's, it doesn't make sense. In Discord, depending on the server and depending on how active it is, I've seen similar behavior, you know, where people will just kind of jump in and they'll say things. They won't even, like, take, you know, stock of the room. And part of that is because of the speed of the flow of content and conversation that it almost doesn't matter. Like, there is no shame at play yeah. because the content is so ephemeral. And Twitter has a different dynamic. Even though it's meant to be somewhat real-time, every post could go viral and it could become permanent. So Twitter That's has so to-
1: weird. Go ahead. That that metabolism difference. You're ah, right. Is so weird.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say more. Go on.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just that, like, it is so. Like, if you, you know, I I mostly use Twitter through TweetDeck, and so like wow. I I set it to like you know scroll scroll scroll, and it's always like scrolling. So I'm like you know glancing to the left and like oh here's what's happening, but at the same time, um, you're right that like a Twitter feed does feel like, well, this is a post that will live in amber and it will sort of like also potentially (laughs) go viral and or ruin your life. Whereas, like there's so much, and it's not, I don't mean this in a Mm. bad way, but there's so much cruft in a Discord channel Hmm. where there's so much, um, you know, like you're saying, just first or, Mm -hmm. you know, memes or like whatever. So like there's less it doesn't feel as permanent in a way
0: but it's also about like i think the the focus or the intention of a group coming together and as this, as we're talking about this this idea comes to mind which is not to be too literal with you know twitter and birds and flocking behavior but people behaving in these social structures do create emergent forms of kind of meaning creation and sort of bouncing around each other and kind of gradually arriving at, it may not even be coherence, but just sort of communication. And what I mean by that is like, if you do jump into a discord server and there's tons of people saying random ass things and posting emojis and there's emotes and there's gifts and there's all this like kind of stuff going on to me, that actually feels like being in like a sports stadium during a game. You're just around other people and there's this kind of din or chatter um, that feels like you're part of something. It feels, you know, who knows, you know, what people's lived experiences are like, but that's kind of, I think, the vibe that you get. And why esports kind of, especially when you're watching, you know, someone or people Mm. playing a game and then you've Mm -hmm. got all this chatter going on in Discord or Twitch, That's kind of the vibe. That's like, you know, you can be semi-anonymous because identity just really isn't that important. Whereas when you're creating content and then posting it to a persistent place, i.e. your profile, that becomes performative. That becomes a way of saying, this is what I think. This is who I am. This is, you know, my permanent record. And there can be, you know, it's, it's hard to get to a place where that feels like a safe activity to do.
1: Um, I want to I want to shift gears because I do feel like we do sure. talk too much about the stuff that we're on, like be it Clubhouse or Twitter. But um, at the same time, I want to acknowledge that unlike recent episodes, we don't have guests lined up and, and stuff like that. Right. So we're sort of um, flying by the seat of our pants right now. So I'm going to give you dealer's choice. Yes. Uh, what do you want to talk about? And also, uh, people in the audience. Um, Since we don't have guests, uh, feel free to raise your hand and stuff like that. But, Chris, Hmm. what else is striking your fancy today? Well, yeah, yeah, let's see. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for 100 different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Notes or the Office Wi-Fi password. One Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over a hundred thousand businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out forty other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at OnePassword.com/slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com/slash ride.
0: There are several things that you pointed out and there's just sort of like a mess of things, obviously, you know, going on in the world um, as there always is. Um, I think the thing that I was, which one do I want to go down? I was going to say, oh, I know. Okay. So the Apple event coming up, of course, we have to be aware of that. That's happening next week. Um, The reason why I, I don't know, uh, there's been so much news And this event, I feel like there is more pressure on it than there's been on many recent Apple events. Mm. You know, like during the pandemic, I think everyone was just like stoked to sort of, you know, see their virtual crazy production and all that. And then they did it again um, back in the spring. And now, you know, all eyes are on this event for a number of reasons. Um, First, we've got like just all the regulation and antitrust stuff going on. You know, I think people are starting to like lose a little bit of attention span on that, but nonetheless things are happening, you know, whether it's what South Korea did with putting rules on the app store that basically said, no, you have to allow apps to um, have alternative payment, you know, methods. I, you know, I feel like that conversation is a little bit stuck because we don't even know what we're talking about because we're, you know, people are like trying to tell us, oh, you're a fish and you're wet. And we're like, what does it even mean? What what would it mean to have alternative app stores available with the apps that we download on iOS? We've just never seen it. So we don't know what it looks like. And I've been listening to a bunch of um, Ben Thompson's podcast interviews lately about how he talked about kind of like the golden era of Mac apps and all the bespoke apps in the productivity space that existed and that they just don't exist and can't exist on iOS because the business model isn't there um, because of subscriptions and et cetera and so forth. But it does raise a question, and I think we can do a better job of this, of identifying what are the components and aspects of the overall, I don't know, whether it's the payment ecosystem or in-app purchases or about the services or the service layer that can be designed on top of more competition in that space. You know, so for example, one thing that I was thinking about was right now, when you go to buy an app, you know, there's the sort of double click on the side, and then there's like the face ID or whatever to, you know, mm-hmm. the purchase. What if at that moment, you know, sort of like, you know, if you've used MetaMask or the Coinbase wallet, something else popped up and it said, where do you want to conduct this transaction? And you could choose, you know, whether it's Google or it's or it is Apple or it's someone else. And then they are. And I don't know how this works from a security perspective. And this is where it kind of breaks down. But there are a set of APIs that would be available to certified in-app purchase providers that would give them access to the hardware to do their own verification process. Right. So then essentially the phone becomes a type of utility.
1: You kind of blew my mind in a little way because I realized that, like, do you think I'm sure they have. Mm -hmm. Has Apple ever mentioned crypto ever?
0: I don't think that they're very in favor of it. And no, they haven't. And actually, so so to bring this back again to Twitter, um, they're experimenting with and have already, I guess, you know, seeded the launch of um, tipping with crypto. So I want to bring this up because I think this is actually incredibly important for both the creator economy as well as, you know, Jack's big plans to bring crypto to the world. So we oftentimes have a very um, U.S. centric view of technology. Obviously, that's where we live and that's, you know, we're used to banks and credit cards, et cetera. But that's not the way it is in the rest of the world. You know, in fact, El Salvador just what was it yesterday or was it today? Um, has decided to enable Bitcoin as a legal tender. Right, imagine like the US government doing that. Like it's just like mind-blowing, but of course there are very different dynamics at play in El Salvador. And I have no real judgment about whether it's a good idea or it's not or it's marketing or it's, you know, covering over corruption whatever. The fact is that a government, you know, a sovereign government has decided to move towards crypto. Like that's a big deal. So to your point, you asked has Apple ever, you know, talked about crypto or things like that? To my Recollection, I can't think of anything like that. You can't use crypto for Apple Pay, for example. But right now, with super follows on Twitter, your only option is to pay through Apple's in app purchases. What this means, and I don't know what the upper limit is, I think it's 10,000 SKUs, um, is that Twitter will only ever be able to have essentially 10,000 super follow recipients because that is an Apple Pay limitation. And so by moving to crypto and allowing people to do tipping or super follows using crypto, that moves around the entire app store ecosystem and creates something very interesting. So when you think about what Jack is doing with Square and Title and Twitter and tipping and the creator economy and all of that. That's where, I mean, you know, we don't think a lot about Twitter and Apple sort of being, you know, in a battle. We think more like Facebook and Apple. But that's because their ambitions and I think their goals are ultimately different.
1: Well, what I, I, and this is pure spitballing because this is not going to happen, but like what if on Tuesday uh, Tim Apple stood up and talked about a MetaMask style wallet mm. right. integrated into iOS and stuff like that? Like, And who would be included? Or who would be allowed to well, I mean, a I'm so spitballing here, I yeah. don't even know, but this would this would be something that would be out of the Facebook playbook, which would be we're getting all this criticism for what we do with x, y, and z, and x, y, and z in this case is is the app store um, and so we're going to be like acknowledged, also we're going in this direction, yeah, and by going in this direction, we're gonna maybe uh answer some of your criticisms but also like we're going to double down and what we believe in which is sort of this we're protecting your privacy we're protecting you from spam and 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 you know bad just, actors and things like, like that
0: that it feels or at least my sense is that the learning curve for for crypto is too steep the loss of control is too great and Apple, you know, not only tends to follow everyone and I wouldn't even say it's like a fast follow, it's like a slow follow. Like they'll do things 2 or 3 years or 5 years after other people have already started moving out there so they can understand the use cases, they can build and plan and do all the hardware stuff and all the full, you know, integrations across everything. I, unless they're doing their own crypto thing where I just I don't see the benefit of them doing that, you know, even though they're partnered with Goldman Sachs, you know, they run such a, you know, incredible International operation. I don't see how you know that this would work in China, for example, or other places. So,
1: oh right. Well, look, I mean, listen. There is. This is what made me say you blew my mind. Is that no one has ever put those two things together, at least in my reading of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like no one ever mentions Apple and crypto in the same breath mm-hmm. ever. Right. <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> at this, um. I, I see that um, you brought some speakers up. Yes. Uh, we can continue on this, but um, before we leave Apple, like, um, I do have one thing that I want to bring up about um, next week, but uh, go ahead and bring up some speakers and let's continue this conversation.
0: Yep. I brought Corinne up. Um, I know Remy wanted to say hello. Um, if anybody else wants to pop up, um, feel free, raise your hand. Um, this is going to be a little bit more open-ended. If you guys have questions for us, um, happy to also go in that direction too.
2: Hi guys! Hey, thank you so much.
0: You're
2: welcome. <laughs> this is so so interesting as always. Listen, just a really quick question from me. Um, I'm very interested in the, I guess, evolution of being able to record natively on Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh So uh-huh. I yeah. Did so I, I teach up? podcasting. and I'm really interested in you know the accessibility of this. There's some really interesting uses of Twitter Spaces. Um, in the developing country journalism community, where mm. I do a lot of my work, um, and so just any intel would be lovely. Mm. That's really it. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks. Um, so I just pinned a tweet, um, and I okay. Let's see how much do I go into this, and how much do I re- reveal my secrets. Um, so uh, I I made a mock up basically today uh, using my sleuthing skills to figure out kind of what's happening. Yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. The <laughs> And yep. one of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, Twitter now has, and I, I remember one of the reasons Brian go to go back to your, your sort of admonition slash joke about Twitter being slow to innovate is that Twitter mm. had to do some major internal re-architecting enable to enable them to move faster, you know? And I don't know if that's just, you know, with, is that me or you? I'm getting some feedback. So you, Brian, I don't hear it. Oh, um, okay. Anyways, um, Right. So once that re-architecture was done, that seems to unblock Twitter and and the product teams to be able to innovate and build and move forward quickly. And one of the things that they did earlier this year was they created kind of a set of design standards and brand guidelines that have allowed teams to basically work within a design system, finally. And to produce features, you know, at a rapid pace. And one of the things that they do is they kind of reuse the same interfaces over and over again to launch different feature sets. And so essentially I took what they used for launching super follows and I just took what I found inside the app for recorded spaces. And I imagine it's going to look like something like I just um, pinned to the, the um the nest as they call it. And so essentially I will I will read this for for folks who are listening after the fact. Um, what the text says is that the title is Recorded Spaces and then the subtitle is Let the Audio Live On in a Replay. And there are four value, uh, I guess, like value statements. One is live recording, and it says only speakers will be recorded and included in the replay. So it makes sense. Two, replay later. When the space ends, listen to the space again to find your favorite moments to share. Highlights, share memorable moments, and continue the conversation. So that suggests that there will be a snippeting tool or a way to basically, you know, use spaces or recorded spaces content to create more content within Twitter and then to promote spaces. Now, one idea, and one thing actually that I have no idea how this is going to work, but this will be interesting to watch, is whether ticketed spaces will be recorded and whether those ticketed spaces will also allow people to excerpt or share highlights, you know, to different groups and or if those recordings will be made only available, let's say, to people who attended the ticketed space. And so I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out. Um, and the, the fourth value is to download and share, which allows you to download the audio file to share off platform. Now, there's all sorts of questions about this in terms of, you know, whether this is going to, I guess, you know, be in a standard format, whether the quality is going to be good enough, whether we're going to be able to upload it, you know, and share on other podcasting platforms like Brian and I already do now. Um, but it does certainly seem like it's going to open up The possibility for more people to become you know media broadcasters um, without even having to learn about you know podcasting and the rest so i'm pretty sure that we can expect you know today was the community's launch i don't know if recorded spaces will launch next week it seems like the cadence is that twitter will roll out some of these new features in a small or private beta test and then within a week or two they'll actually roll it out to the broader community um, so that's that's, Corinne. Does that answer your question? Yeah, oh, shit. yeah. Kayvon's it does. Here. Oh boy. Oh, uh, yes. Well,
2: I, I noticed that as well. I might just um, put myself back in the audience, and you can put the question to him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Well, I appreciate I will it. I want to invite
0: Kayvon up, but he might he might decline. We'll see.
2: but I I just will say that um, one of the sessions that I've been listening almost daily to in the Pacific Islands. You'd probably be aware that the hmm. COVID pandemic has been a real problem in this region. And you know the received wisdom is that developing country communities don't use Twitter. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like as oh no, they're all on Facebook. And I mean, actually, I actually think it's, that
0: it's huge. It's huge in the Philippines. It's huge, it's huge in, in the Pacific Islands. I mean, yeah. Yeah, all over the world for sure. Yeah, I mean, especially because it's a, such a small. Well, anyways, continue. Well, sorry.
2: Oh no, that, that's okay. There's a there's a daily um, Twitter space that's run by a journalist in Fiji. Um, her name is Livedere, but it's L I C uh, E, Livedere Mavono. Um, And it's called Talanoa, and it's actually Mm. such a lovely concept. So Talanoa is a a Fijian word that means community and sitting down together and talking. Mm. So it really sits well with the spaces concept, and that's where people have been sharing their experience of lockdown and, you know, I guess sort of shared grieving and so on. So it's, it's, Mm. um, you know, the ability to be able to record those conversations in an appropriate way, obviously, um, is really valuable because then it can go everywhere. It can go then on Facebook and so on.
0: So yeah, One of the anything, things that I, I, a, yeah. I like about what you're bringing up um, is, again, that small group intimacy in the sense where if, as you say, there's a small group of people, maybe it's you know, 10, 15, 20 people, it doesn't have to be a lot, and they are using Twitter on a regular basis to come and to share and to um, you know collect themselves and maybe to grieve, that creates a reason to record those things so that they can stay connected to that community. And, you know, one of the things that you might imagine is that those recorded spaces may just be a matter of minutes, maybe five or 10 or 20 minutes. And that in and of itself, if you can catch up after the fact, um, especially if there's, you know, transcriptions at some point, um, that could be very valuable. Um, Kayvon, do you want to add anything?
3: Chris, how's it going?
0: Good, man. Long time to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, Kayvon,
1: sorry. Can I just say that you're Kayvon from Twitter so that listeners will know that? (laughs) True. (laughs)
3: I guess that's my identity now. I'm Kayvon from Twitter.
0: Well, this is also Kayvon that I quoted earlier. Um, Kayvon, I did uh, excerpt your tweet earlier about communities. That's kind of where this conversation started and you know, maybe your ears were burning or you had spies. I'm not sure which, doesn't matter. But the thought was just to, you know, one, parse out aspects of Twitter communities and what's going on with the launch and what are some of the intentions and some of the you know, I would call it either restrictions or challenges based on the existing Twitter privacy model. You know, building communities is always hard and people have a lot of requests and demands. And I'm sure, you know, wedging this into a, I don't want to call it a legacy product, but a product that has legacy is certainly challenging. And then we were just talking a bit about um, the possibility of recorded spaces and what that might mean and how that might be useful.
3: Yeah, there's lots of, lots of good stuff there. I I think one of the one of the interesting things about Twitter as a product is 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 really that you know communities have existed for quite some time. It's one of the one of the coolest things about the Twitter product is you you can actually create community and um, you know uh, talk with people who share very similar interests. But the product itself doesn't offer a very structured way of doing that, yeah. uh, which is part of the charm and awesomeness of of Twitter. But um, it is nevertheless somewhat limited in terms of its, its boundaries and um, how you can sort of uh, make sure the conversation stays on track and that the community really establishes social norms that are shared amongst all the people who are talking about it. So that's really one of the things we're really interested in sort of productizing through the sort of capital C communities product that we, we, uh, we announced today, or at least made, made available in beta today. Um, And there's, there's a lot that I love about this product. Um, now, least of which is it's really starting to expose some some new sort of like foundational product mechanics that um, you couldn't really use before in Twitter. So I sort of mentioned some of these in my thread, which I think you might have posted. In I this. did. Um,
0: if you look yeah. at the nest, you'll find it.
3: Yeah. Um, so, you know, narrow casting, being able to make sure that when you're talking within a community, it's only being sort of amplified to the people who are in that community, I think is um. Sorry if you're hearing my my doorbell. I think the, the door dash is here. So hopefully that's not annoying. <laughs> no um, but uh, I think the sort of being able to narrow cast so that your tweets are only being amplified to the people who are in that community is, is um, something I'm really looking forward to see how it evolves. But, but personally, I think is like a really powerful mechanic that's been missing on the platform um, and will hopefully make people feel more comfortable talking without the sort of anxiety of like, oh man, this thing I'm saying is going to get broadcasted to all my followers. Some of my followers really don't give a shit about this thing that I'm talking about right now. And so you sort of constantly have to evaluate whether what you're saying is worth broadcasting to all of your followers, the community's product um, at least intends to solve that problem and just give you a more targeted space to talk freely about the things that you're interested in. Right now, obviously, that's enabled through tweeting to the community. But as you, I think, were alluding to when I popped in this space, mm-hmm. there's no reason why that can't also extend to um, you know, having a space like this. Um, any any media
0: objects, well. really, right?
3: yeah exactly
0: so so this this raises a number of interesting things and i i one i i agree with you that community has always been you know the sort of mycelial structure within twitter but as mycelium is, it's sort of a mess of different, you know, shards and different things like that, like that are trying to connect and find each other, but sort of never push through the soil, maybe to come up and say, "This is this community about this. Other people can come over here and hang out with us and we'll find each other that way. One of the things that I think is actually very funny, and I don't know if you saw this, but in the blog post that I wrote before, I proposed the hashtag, I had this idea that I called whispering tweets. And the idea was that if you pre prefixed your tweet with a with a uh, exclamation point, which is probably not the best character for it, but regardless, it would not get broadcast to all of your followers. And of course, this was back in 2007, when if you tweeted, of course, it would be sent out via SMS to everyone that was following you. And so I didn't want that stage fright pressure either. And I wanted to be able to still post to my profile without having that broadcast. So obviously now we're in a different era. We have mobile phones and, you know, push notifications, et cetera. So the way I kind of think about the community's product as it's launched today is as a kind of set of like hedgerows where people have their little garden parties and people can peek into them or peer over the hedge and kind of see what's going on. And that allows for, as you said, kind of a depressurized way of gathering people together without necessarily having to create a, a an expressly private or secret context for those conversations to occur, which then allows for the mechanic of, you know, someone... Oh, oh, man, now I'm thinking, what was uh, that show with Tim and the neighbor, you know, the, uh, the handyman show? Anyways. Uh, oh, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Tim, Tim, the Toolman man, Taylor. Exactly. Yes, uh, and he, like, yes, has yes, the yeah. guy with who is just always the eyeballs and the hat. Anyways, he looks over the, the hedge and he's, you know, hey, neighbor, how's it going? That kind of thing. It feels like this allows for that mechanic to occur. And so, for example, I saw a couple of communities today. One is the Astro Twitter group. The other is Climate, uh, which Eric, um, who we've had on the show before, has talked about. And in that way, I can not see, I, I can see the tweets. They're not on Eric's profile, but I can reach out to Eric and say, hey, I'm really interested in this topic. You know, would you mind adding me to that community? And so that creates something that's a little bit more of a porous membrane than just having a perfectly secret you know, context or space for those conversations to occur.
3: Yeah, I think, I think that's spot on. I think it's the combination of the community space existing and the mechanics allowing uh, members of that community to be able to sort of have freeform conversation within it, but then mixed with the sort of mechanics of tweets in particular quote tweeting, uh, um, because people, you know, people who are sort of like peering into the community or find something interesting and, and want to take that piece of content or that, that thought and expose it out to their followers outside of the community, the quote tweet will always be there for that. So I think it's that interplay that gives you the, the sort of the fluidity of Twitter and the sort of like singular universe that exists on Twitter today, which is like very magical and fluid, mm-hmm. but combining it with the depth and the space and the control that um, the community participants, be it the mods or be it the, the folks who are actually talking within the community itself have. I think it's that interplay together that we think is really fascinating. Obviously, as with any other early product, like I'm, I'm sure it's going to evolve um, in lots of directions based on how people use it, but um, that's what we find really exciting about it. So. I got
0: one one quick question here just in terms of process so given again what i said before about just the the nature and the structure and you know the norms i suppose that are present on twitter building a community product you know on top of can either be sort of a slot in or you know it's like building a parking lot and like helping people use it effectively is the twitter community now granted it's going to evolve etc you know but but i imagine it's intended as kind of your best current thinking. And also, you know, some features were probably cut to explore just the basic fundamentals. Were there any compromises made along the way to get to this sort of expression of communities? Or is this the ideal communities product that you wanted to bring, you know, you and the team, you know, to Twitter today? Does that make sense?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in the sense that I I totally understand the question you're asking. The answer to this, I would answer the same way for literally any other product, which is our MVP is always... Um, a very, very small fraction of what the product actually wants to be when it grows up. And there are all kinds of, um, you know, decisions we had to make around um, where do we want to start and what are we optimizing for in terms of learning and, like, what is the right sort of... um, you know, end to end experience that we can put a bow around as like a first thing yeah. to put in front of customers, because um, we could easily iterate into oblivion endlessly for years and for not sure. actually putting anything in front of customers. So, um, you know, I think we got to a, to a good place. Of course, there's a bunch of things that um, give us heartburn, and 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 we're super excited about to to um, to improve and ship. Um, I think a big sort of on that sort of note, one big area where we definitely need to. Um, improve and add some functionality is around making the management of the community space, mm. uh, making the capabilities that the moderators have at the disposal, uh, just way more full featured and way more self service. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's quite limited it's right manual, now as a starting right. point. Yeah. Exactly, and that's. To me, like to, to the team and, and, and in my personal view as well, like that is probably the biggest deterrent to us scaling out communities because right. you know we have a very small number of communities that were we've sort of um, made available to start with. But like where the future of this product goes is it's completely open and people can form their own communities and um, we're never going to be able to predict upfront what the best communities are and like what the right social norms are. So I think we have to put that capability in the hands of customers to be able to evolve that on their own. And that's going to require some, some features um, in place that just don't exist right now. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like one of the primary things we're, um, what are the, on.
0: what would you say are some of the top things you want to learn with this test right now Like the top questions that you're like, Oh, I really wonder how this is going to go.
3: It's um, a good question. I mean, I think for me personally, I, I'm super interested in, um, to to me, like any great communities product, um, uh, the, the, the people who are crafting that space, and I'm using that, that term very loosely need to have an immense amount of control around setting the tone, the Mm -hmm. culture, the vibe, the, the norms, the rules. And, um, I think like many other things on Twitter, like, um, people are going to, do lots of very creative things to craft those norms. And so I think what's going to be important for us to learn is what are the capabilities and levers that we need to introduce in the product to give people that Mm. canvas. Like right now, that canvas is quite limited. Um, You know, you can title a community, you can set rules for the community, you have a banner, you know, piece of artwork for the community. But uh, I suspect that over time, we'll want to introduce lots of other levers that let people kind of express the intentionality of the community, the norms around the community. Um, I think that's where a lot of the magic happens. Um, so that that's one thing in particular earlier on we want to learn because it's, again, it's that sort of gating function of how we can expand community creation more.
1: Got it. Um, Kayvon, I'm curious about the fact that like you, you you mentioned that at the beginning that you know we want to encourage people to uh, express themselves more when you shut down um, fleets, it was like well, we were hoping that this would encourage people it's the it's the whole ninety nine one rule where you know most people are lurkers and one percent of users participate a lot and um but at the same time, clearly a lot of your other initiatives are about um enabling the 1% to um, you know, monetize what they're doing, have a, a greater reach and, and platform for what they're doing. So if you had to say what your team's focus is the most, is it encouraging the 90% to participate on Twitter more, or is it um, platforming and enabling the 1% to do more on Twitter?
3: You know, the it's, it's short answer is it's a, it's a portfolio balance. You know, t- Twitter is a vast enough product and we have um, a wide enough cohort of customers that are using the product that we, I do, I think we do need to improve the product across different dimensions um, at the same time. Sorry, I'm literally being chased by my dogs who are making a lot of noise and I keep moving to a different <laughs> room so that they're not annoying me and they just keep following me. So hopefully this is that's not like DoorDash plus your dogs. That would be just it, very stressful. Yeah, it's it's just a perfect storm. Um <laughs> But uh, so that—that's the short answer. Is like we need to improve the product in multiple dimensions, and like one such dimension is you know creators who are probably in your in the definition that you just laid out, the part of that one percent. You know they're already sort of heavy and and in you know common content creators, but they have sort of a unique set of needs, which is they're really trying to sustain a living with their craft. And one of the ways that we can help them do that is helping them make money. On the platform from from their audience, whether it's through tips or subscriptions or um, one-off gifts or whatever it might be, and so that is an important part of our strategy because um, we know that in order for creators to feel um, sort of motivated and inspired to continue creating content on the platform, um, we need to help serve that need. Um, and then you know, on the other hand, um, we have other customers that we're really focused on like for example a lot of people come to twitter for the first time on a daily basis and you know it's our job to help understand what they care about what they're interested in beyond that thing that brought them to Twitter that day. Um, And it's our job to help connect them to the content, of people, the communities. And so there's a whole lot we're doing in that dimension as well that focuses on a very different problem, right? It's not creator focused, it's more consumption focused. And um, it focuses on sort of like the beginnings of a customer's journey into the product rather than someone who's been using the product for years potentially. Um, So, you know, we don't we don't focus on any one of these cohorts, but we do think that, um, you know, the combination of the products of all the products that we create that um, sort of serve these needs should and can work cohesively together in the same way that communities and topics and spaces and super follows are starting to kind of converge and have like a cohesive feel to them, or at least that's our aspiration.
2: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have?
1: In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cybercriminals? That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report, authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments. This report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top Vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme.
0: And, and, and I want to get Remy up here. Does this, and I know this is probably going to be too soon, so I kind of know the answer, but does that suggest that paid communities would be on the horizon, possibly?
3: It's not something we're actively working on right now. I think the, the intersection that we're um, more focused on right now is making sure that new form factors like spaces can work cohesively across these new things. Yeah, we things. mentioned so, like
0: ticketed spaces in ooh. communities and how those things might relate or not
3: yeah And being able to start up space to just your super followers, yep. for example, which yep. you can't do right now. So that, that sort of intersection we're quite focused on right now. Cool. Um, but the you know the the rest of it is not any sort of like philosophical deterrent. It's more just you know we're prioritizing.
0: Yeah, got it. Remy?
4: Okay, so uh, okay, well, Remy, by the
3: way, re- thanks for the invitation earlier. Sorry, I was like multitasking in a meeting. I couldn't join.
4: No, no worries that. Uh, Like, I think that's what happens with so many Twitter spaces. We just have there, and we know that there are a lot of people that come, that poke their heads in, and then go, I can't actually join, but I really did want to listen in, or I did want to poke in for the 90 seconds that I did have. So, no worries at all. Um, My question is going to be um, one of the things that we were actually talking about earlier, which is the balance between ease of use slash access and trust in the product. So, right now, it's really easy to send a tweet, right? Um, that being said, there are quite a few tweets that aren't the best and sometimes are often negative, sometimes. And on the other hand, there's this, um, when, when you curate who can, um, when you have less people that are curated to be able to use a product or use a feature, then there's a higher trust in the feature in itself, right? So because there's only five communities right now, there's, at least speaking for myself, there's a pretty high trust in me that those five communities are going to be pretty good representations of how those communities represent themselves on Twitter. So looking into the future, how do you bound, like? I'm not sure if you can answer this question. How do you think about the balance between opening, having a feature accessible for people on Twitter while also trying to promote a higher level of trust as you move into the future of Twitter than maybe some people have had in the past? You know, it's a
3: a really insightful question, and it's something that I think we... um, we weighed quite a bit um, and, uh, well, I would say it gave us some anxiety as we were thinking about how to roll this out because, you know, the, the short answer to the question is this is a very temporary state. It, it's, it is not actually uh, accurate nor durable for us, f- for there to be like five communities that represent the totality of what communities are people are interested on Twitter. Like even Astro Twitter, you know, they're probably – Many, many permutations, I won't even mention a number, whether it's dozens or hundreds, who, who knows, but there are many, many permutations of quote-unquote communities that that um, are likely to exist in, you know, in the future. Um, so it's just, it's not the case that we could pick one community or one set of moderators to represent that entire sort of like informal community that exists in the Twitter sphere across regions and geographies and languages um, like a classic example of this would be, you know, sports Twitter, right? Like there's probably like many such derivations of like, um, NBA Twitter or warriors Twitter, like there's staff fans and what, you know, like you, you can cut it in so many different ways. Um, so this is a very temporary starting point where we wanted to make sure we, um, made the product available, um, had it available to enough of a, cross-section of communities that we could sort of hit the ground running and learn as quickly as possible, but not open it up wide enough that we would have to spend like many, many quarters building all the features that we think would be necessary for us to feel like we were responsibly making um, a brand new product primitive available, available very widely. Like that's, that's ultimately the trade-off. Um, but I think, you know, the, the really the, the more interesting future point is when the, the community, no pun intended, the pe- people on Twitter can sort of craft um, as many of these permutations as make sense to them, like maybe they'll gravitate towards one master astro community, maybe, um, you know, mods disagree and want to have their own sort of slightly different take on the community that focuses on a different subset of the space or has different social norms. Like, we don't want to be in the business of determining that. Ultimately, the community, again, no pun intended, should be determining that. Um, And so this starting point is a very temporal starting point and not the end state. So,
0: Remy, sorry to jump in there a little bit. Like One of the things that I think Remy is pointing to, and we also had a question from the audience that I think pertains to this, is a little bit about you know, one, I mean, not that I'm I'm too close to it, but a little close to it, you know, there's obviously, you know, hashtags, and that's a way of finding and joining communities. Then there's topics, and those are not hashtags, but they kind of are, I guess, curated by, you know, the overlords at, at Twitter or something, or a system or something. And then there's these communities. And one of the features, as I understand the narrowcasting, is to communicate with a small subset of people. And yet there are still Twitter-like, actions for example retweeting a community uh, targeted post to a broader audience so there's still the potential of things going viral there's still um, the possibility of broadcasting occurring and i guess i'm just curious how or if you know, these communities are intended to be small and more group-like or something that's actually new and novel and doesn't exist on any other social platform. Like, in other words, like Brian and I were talking about how this is sort of similar to Reddit and subreddits, but it's not often the case that there's kind of like, you know, if someone does a, a cannonball into a pool, then like, you know, the, the splash kind of goes into like the neighbor's pool, which is what a retweet from a community would be essentially. So, do you see this as being new and different as far as community architectures go? Is it conventional in some ways? Like, I guess I'm, you know, we are trying to read the tea leaves a little bit, but there's a lot of behavioral norms that get designed in from this, you know, these early, I guess, example communities. And so what are you sort of thinking about that context collapse or potential for context collapse and for broadcasting what was previously narrowcasted content?
3: I mean, there's a bunch of interesting questions in there. What, one, I think, um, I guess one thing I'll say is like architecturally we think it's very, the, um, the way we've built the product I think is very interesting because it allows for the depth of interaction that you would get in a yeah. sort of siloed community while still allowing for the fluidity and the sort of singular universe of Twitter today by virtue of having the sort of like quote tweet mechanic and letting people right. dive in, pull content out. And, um, you know, that, that is, um, you know, if we're, if we're making platform comparisons, that's, that's harder to achieve with these other platforms that are more sort of deeply rooted in enabling communities to thrive. So, um, you know, we think that's interesting. But again, time will tell based on how people use the product. Like ultimately, we can intellectualize this only so much we have to put it in the hands of customers (laughs) how, how it's used right right um so i think i but i think that there's there's um just given how i'm sure we all use twitter there's something to that that i think is very fascinating it has the best of both worlds right like twitter is very magical in its fluidity today but it doesn't allow for that depth or at least the sort of like safe conversation space to to exist for people to go deep, you know, on a, on some shared interest. Yeah, right. um, ironically, I think like actually absent the communities product spaces is a really awesome rendition of this mm-hmm. that's expressed in a very different mechanical way. Like these spaces are micro communities, right? Like yep. so much depth of conversation but also happens,
0: which is different.
3: Totally. That dimension obviously changes the equation entirely because of its formality. Obviously the form factor is very different. It has to be synchronous versus asynchronous. There's a whole lot there that makes it very unique, but fundamentally it allows for sort of depth of expression that's a lot harder to achieve through sort of asynchronous back-and-forth tweets. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Communities, the product, enables that same sort of um, expression through a very different format. Um, but again, and I don't mean this as a cop out, like a lot of this, we just need to see how people use it and we want to lean into its strengths and, um, and accentuate it to be even, even better in that regard. And the things that make it sort of not work well, we want to see if we can make it and improve. And, um, this is just a starting point. And
0: in terms of feedback, I mean, given like, you know, the narrow launch, the small number of groups. It's not available for everybody to join. Is there a way for people to provide feedback that's useful or is it sort of like let's just wait, you guys have your small petri dishes, you're gonna see you know if the bacteria grows and if then you know whether this is like worth releasing to the crowd or are there ways that you want people to interact with this now um, or shortly? And do you have a sense for how quickly you will actually be expanding um, the number of people who can join these communities?
3: Well, so joining joining communities right now, um, anyone can can join. It is, it, it's invite oh. only in the sense that moderators need to accept uh, invitations, but we're not okay. we're not governing that. The thing that we're focusing on scaling is community creation. Um, right now, that's like we've got a governor on that as we sort of um, build the right capabilities. Right, right. And right now, people have to people. go through
0: a Google form and request a community, and uh, it, like, are you? Actively soliciting new groups and formats and different people and if so who are you specifically looking for for that purpose and I'll I'll pin the tweet to the uh, the invitation link
3: yeah, the the team is definitely um, You know accepting invitations and we're um, you know people are welcome to obviously apply but again That's a very temporary like our goal ultimately is to make just like you can create a list or start space like you don't have to apply to start a space to talk about whatever you want. Right. Um, like, the goal is to make that self-service as well. Um, so ultimately, that's that's the main thing we're focused on from a expansion standpoint. Um, but joining, you know, as those new communities um, come to exist, people are able to join them or request to be joined. And the invitation model is also just a, a feature we're working on right now. It's invite only. We're going to add a feature that lets moderators um, make them just, you know, o- open invitation or, you know, not, not opt, not a uh, require acceptance. Uh, ultimately, like all of this in the future will, will be moderator
4: controlled.
0: Got it. Uh, Remy, you got one more question.
4: Um, so I want to toss this question to you, although I recognize that this may be of. a, does, this may be more of a social team question. Um, were slash are Twitter run communities part of the, part of the conversation?
0: You mean like Twitter owned?
4: Yeah. Like twi- like the way that Twitter runs, like Twitter media, or like Twitter sports, uh, like Twitter run communities,
3: like official communities. Of- um, well, I can tell you that one of the, one of the, um, most fun communities we've been using internally as like Mm. our dog fooding or beta testing is like we have a community for Twitter employees, which is a private community right now. We sort of hack that one because we don't actually support private communities, but we've been using the product ourselves through the lens of the Twitter community. It's actually kind of like it's a really interesting and powerful. Chris can probably appreciate this since he worked at Twitter, but like imagine having Twitter for your company. Mm -hmm. It's like having Mm -hmm. an internal slack, but with the mechanics of Twitter, it's been really fun and a helpful way for us to use the product. So that, that, it's not exactly answering your question because it's not like an official uh, exposed public one. But, um, you know, we will we're philosophically open to using the community's product in the same way that Twitter, the company, uses the rest of the Twitter product, whether it's us tweeting or posting, uh, you know, starting spaces and hosting conversations about, you know, company updates or whatever it might be. Like, in the same way, we'll totally. Um, consider using communities in different ways. That's just not been our focus right now. Like our focus has been empowering people on Twitter to use the product because that's ultimately what matters. As we get further along, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll try uh, lots of things in terms of how we can make use of the product on our own. For now, it's just been the internal version that I mentioned, which has been tremendously useful because we can use the product ourselves every day.
0: I mean, dog footing is obviously so essential. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um, are you noticing any new behavior uh, amongst the folks who are using the internal uh, employees only community?
3: Uh, I mean, that would be a great question for for the team. Um, my personal answer is like absolutely. It's it's um, <laughs> okay. it satisfies one of the original goals, which was to, like to give give people, a, um, you know, give people a, a safer space to talk about. Things with shared, you know, things that are, um, things interests that they share with with others, and obviously, because it's a somewhat contrived example, that's very clear because it's a company, and of course, like you need to have an internal communication space, like we all know that from Slack and otherwise. But, um, yeah, narrow casting as a capability, I think, is going to be a game changer, and I've I've certainly felt that way using the product, and I'm really excited to see um, how people end up using it in the, in the more proper context, which isn't like an internal dog food. Um, but I think it's, it's very much, um, enabled people to feel like they can tweet without being as concerned about it being broadcasted to all their followers. Like that, I think is a core, core limitation, frankly, of, Twitter that has that holds some people back from tweeting. Like some people, actually it doesn't hold them back whatsoever because they're so comfortable expressing themselves in the public record, yeah. which is which is awesome. But I think that's um, not everyone feels that way. Um, and
4: I would resonate with what you just said, Kayvon, Just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> in which direction,
3: Remy? Like you feel comfortable talking on the public no, record? No, <laughs> no, 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 no,
4: no, 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 no. I, I yeah. definitely self-censored a decent amount on. Like, when I think, have thoughts, I'm like, oh, I should put this on Twitter. Maybe I won't put this on Twitter.
3: Yeah. like No, and that, yeah. I think that's very natural, right? Like, speaking, like, standing on a stool, shouting in public, and having that <laughs> thing last on the internet forever is kind of scary. So I think, and it's, it's nevertheless quite powerful. Like, Twitter, you know, I'm obviously biased, but it's an incredible service that exists in the world off the back of that very simple and powerful medium. But yet, if we want to make more people feel comfortable talking in public, we have to adapt and evolve the form factors and and mechanics to, um, allow more people to have the control to, you know, feel comfortable with that. Not everyone feels comfortable with the extreme.
0: And so, so one of the things that I want to, I guess, attention or a seam that, that I see here is between group DMS and the DM product, just direct messaging in general on Twitter. Based on what you just said, and this narrow casting, because like the smallest stage is the one where everyone is known and everyone is contained within a private space. And so the tension it feels like, you know, if there's like some sliders or toggles that move in one direction or the other, it would be like a really amazing DM product. But that that isn't the direction that it feels like you guys are going in. And I don't know who's, you know, running DMs, but whatever. Clearly, there's a lot of energy and excitement around communities. How do you see those two? areas or features interacting?
3: It's a great question. I, you know, I, th- I think of it as a spectrum, yep. um, like that there are um, really valuable use cases for private conversation. There are really valuable use cases for public conversation. And then there are valuable use cases that are in between. And that's, totally. that in between is really, that's the itch that we're scratching in terms of figuring out what that wants to be. Mm. Um, and I think ultimately like Twitter's purpose is about serving public conversation. Like that is our differentiator. Um, that is our sort of reason for being. And so a lot of these, um, the, the, the spirit of our exploration of the spectrum ultimately is about strengthening public conversation, but, um, we're not so religious about it that we don't recognize that private conversation and semi-public conversation can be very powerful bridges to public conversation. And so, um, that's sort of, um, that's kind of how we think about it. right It's a spectrum, and we have to make sure that we're offering graduation paths in both directions. Like sometimes you actually want to take a piece of content that's public and talk about it with a group of people in private. Like that's just like a very natural human thing to do. Um and if we don't offer capabilities like that, people are just going to take content off of our platform yep. and go to iMessage or Facebook or whatever it might be. And so that, you know that that exploration of a spectrum, I think, is where where the interesting where the magic lies.
4: You know, yeah. also mm-hmm. to your point, it's like you, it's almost like you're building a nice funnel. It's like, all right, play in this little sandbox, then play in this bigger sandbox, and then now you're at the beach.
0: <laughs> at, well, at the same time, one of the things that we've struggled with for a generation is to reflect some of the nuances and the ways in which, you know, humans communicate through a broad spectrum. Of different you know context and cues and sense of space and kind of mutual awareness so i think you know the 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 design and feature set that communities has launched with i think is interesting because it's not purely derivative derivative of what else is out there you know there isn't this type of narrow casting that is to a small subset of people subset of people but it is it is not automatically a broadcast channel that has infinite reach and so some of the problems and the negative dynamics have been about obviously looking at the incentive structures for why and how people post. And when you are, when you give people a megaphone, those that have a message, you know, that they want to bring to the world and they have no shame about it, um, can actually be quite, you know, negative and antisocial. So this dynamic is really interesting. It's sort of a, a modest, you know, like garden hose uh, relative to the common fire hose that I think a lot of people you know, either don't know how to wield effectively or wield it so effectively that they sort of like obliterate, you know, a whole society or culture or, you know, democracy. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, to watch how these dynamics do evolve and unfold. And I think it's going to be fascinating to, well, and hopefully, you know, Kayvon, you and your team can share some of these learnings and insights so that we get uh, insight into the things that you push back on. And the things that you say no to because there's going to be so many people that come with a set of norms and expectations about you know the privilege of reach that they should have with different social features and products that one of the opportunities that twitter has is to define a new you know safer space for a different type of expression that currently really doesn't have a home on the social web so i think that's that's i don't know pretty exciting
3: yeah it's interesting some um uh, t- totally everything you said resonates with me. And I think there's a few dimensions to it. One is, um, what is the sort of scaffolding that we're, um, providing people, uh, when they're trying to talk? Like, is this, is yeah. this stage public? Is it private? Is it semi-public? Who can respond? How much control is there? Like, that's the sort of dimension you're seeing us really push on with, with communities. Then there's another dimension, which is what is the, um, what is the form factor for that conversation to unfold? Um, you know, tweets are a very specific form factor. It's short form, um, it's short form text based expression, which is one very powerful form of expression, um, and and really it has been Twitter's bread and butter. But you've obviously seen us try and expand that yep. quite a bit as well, right? Yep. Supporting voice, supporting um, you know media through projects like Fleet, supporting long form. Thought expression, which we're doing through our acquisition of review. So I think that sort of pushing that envelope on um, giving people new form factors is really important. And then the third dimension is incentives. You you mentioned earlier, Chris, but um, there's a lot about the incentives of our platform that dictate what types of discourse unfold and what types of discourse can't unfold, and especially how that intertwines with the the format. Formats on the platform is has a really big impact on what types of conversations can occur um, or can't occur so I think it's that that interplay between all those is really really important um, and that's kind of like a lot of what you're seeing us launch. Um, is tugging on one or all of those dimensions.
0: You know, I had this really, I had several uh, conversations at this event that I was at over this weekend um, about, you know, social media, big tech, you know, and its impact on culture. And one of the things that I came away with that I haven't quite articulated before, or really, I think, put in the same, you know, spatial dimension in my mind was that there are a set of choice architectures that social networks and platforms um, develop and design. And then they roll out to their user base. And then on the other hand, there are incentive structures. And what I realize is that there's a lot of frustration when you are subject to choice architectures that you didn't vote for or you didn't choose, and they're imposed upon you. And then there's incentive structures that get people to act or behave a certain way within these social environments that also can privilege or enhance Certain uh, you know behaviors and 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 so on, and once I started to realize that either you're subject to or the creator of both of those different pressures in a space, it started to make a lot more sense. You know, one, why you know, democracy or representative democracy is actually important because at least then you have a, a sense of say in how your life is dictated and determined. But we live in a world now where you know, we choose products to use based on kind of market dynamics, you know, the best product ideally wins, but we're at a place now where that actually isn't quite, I don't know, working. So, Anyways, not to get too philosophical or high level, but I think it would be really valuable. And I would, I guess, invite you and like the team and everyone who's working on this stuff to share more of your learnings and more of what you're finding is leading to. And I know you do this and you have a whole initiative around healthy conversations, but to share the results of that, because there are a lot of people who are working on, you know, whether it's DAOs in the crypto space or other types of social architectures and um, products that could benefit from the insights that you'll be learning throughout this process. So it just it seems like we need to understand a little bit more of this and then socialize some of those those learnings.
3: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good push and we we've always um, you know tried to be super transparent with our work. Um, sometimes um, potentially to the annoyance of of, of our, our customers who are like, it's hard to separate the signal from the noise. Right. Uh, but one one of the um, one of my favorite examples of this um, that uh, one of our projects is really embracing is we have a project called Birdwatch, which is basically um, an attempt to create a crowdsourced. Um, yep. A crowdsourced solution to misleading information, sort of like Wikipedia, but for labeling and annotating misleading information on Twitter. Yep. And you know, the product itself is very interesting. I would encourage you all if you haven't heard of it to 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 go, find go it to it at
0: twitter.com slash i slash birdwatch, I think is how to get to it.
3: Um yeah, and I, I thought it was birdwatch.twitter.com, but maybe oh, maybe, you're right. maybe you're right. Um <laughs> anyway, just Google it. You can find it. Yeah. <laughs> um but more the product itself is, is fascinating in its own right, but one of the very intentional things the team has done is um they're being very transparent around the product itself like the product is open source all of the data that we're collecting from the product is available for people to um, learn from the good the bad the ugly like you know you can imagine building a crowdsourced platform like this for labeling misleading information like one of the difficulties is creating a system of incentives that ensures that the that ecosystem of um, misleading information annotations are actually healthy and not like a total dumpster fire. Um, And the entire from A to Z product experience and um, result set from the community is entirely public, um, which um, I think has been really awesome just in terms of our own learning. And, you know, we have so many researchers that are leveraging the data set and sort of helping advise us and um, criticizing and Uh, complimenting and everything in between. So I I think uh, that's all a long way of saying like, we're very much trying to embrace the, um, the spirit of transparency. And um, we'll certainly take that into account for all of our work.
0: By the way, we were both right. Birdwatch.twitter.com does redirect to twitter.com slash I slash birdwatch. So people can find it that way. There you go. (laughs) Um, Brian, anything else you want to add?
1: in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride collide.com slash ride. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you ka-ching. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is that you can take any business to the next level, even 25-year-old ones, but especially 25-day-old ones. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash ride uh, no we can we can uh, shut it down and, and thank Kayvon if you'd like um, uh, I, I, I I was bringing to the table a segment to close with uh, that you if, if you want to experiment with it we can okay uh, but otherwise if you think that uh, the okay, conversation drop it, drop it on us all right you want to know what it is and cave and on <laughs> thank you uh so yes. you you can dip out at any time here's here's how i Thanks, thought guys. we would end this See time
0: up. yeah appreciate it
1: um this is things that are in my queue that i might not be able to use this week i got three things okay. are you interested in that at all does that sound good or we can just cut it out right now
0: i mean i'm down i'm down let's go okay
1: i'm gonna do these real quick and if jump in if you've got anything that you want to uh, say about it but um, I said today uh, I let off with the uh, coinbase and the SEC thing about how coinbase wants to do this lending program um, and they say that the SEC is going to um, uh, uh, threatening to sue them if they do it um, and the, the uh, coinbase's argument and I don't have a I don't have any skin in this game was that um, uh, the SEC hasn't told them why they can't do it Apparently they have. Some people have been pointing out that the sec is basically pointing to like the original, like 1933 law of the (laughs) sec, like paragraph one where it basically manual. Well, you know, again, I have no skin in this game, but a lot of people smarter than me were like, uh, they don't need to tell you because it's the paragraph (laughs) one of the law that you should know. So I found that interesting. I probably won't follow up on that, but, um, Number two, um, I would love to follow up on this, but I probably won't, which is that um, Substack is apparently... um uh, has a $30 million fund to entice big comic book uh, creators to their platform, uh, which, by the way, Hamish of Substack tweeted subsequently that he's like, well, that's news to me. At the same time, this <laughs> makes a ton quoted. of sense. I thought he was
0: quoted in that article.
1: I, I He is quoted in the yeah. article, but then I, I saw a tweet later where he like, well, he's like, well, maybe he's quibbling about the $30 million or whatever.
0: You no, know, I'm going to birdwatch we, that tweet of his and say, uh-uh, you were quoted <laughs> in his article.
1: Well, what's interesting to me about it is so, you know, coming from the podcast space, a lot of podcast companies, the way that they've sort of made their business models work is to turn their podcasts into TV shows and yes. movies and things like that. I you would sell call the these IP. metaverses,
0: actually. That's kind of like what I'm going with. I would, you know, this general trend, by the way, just to jump in here on this Marvel mm-hmm. one or the, whatever the comic book artist or writer thing. You know, one, uh, one of the, the quotes that's in this article, um, and I will pin the tweet so you can can find this. Um, I'm going to do the, the, the Coinbase one first, and we'll do um, the Substack one second. So those are up in the nest. Um, one of the quotes was this question about, well, what are publishers good for anymore? And I think that is what's happening. We are in the middle of reconsidering our institutions and the function that they serve. And distribution mm-hmm. is no longer the hard part. And it seems like the hard part is actually engagement and connection. And what, you know, James Timian uh, Timian who's uh, one of the the authors that's mentioned and a bunch of other folks. And you know, I'm a big comic book nerd and I'm familiar with a lot of these names and I have hundreds of their physical comics. Um you know, they create these metaverses, these universes of characters and they kind of match you know and uh interact all these different things together what where i think this is is going is in some ways maybe looking at what's happening with fanfic you know what happened with actually what Mm. we were talking about last week loot and nfts and creating these participatory content universes where oh my god get this i just blew my own mind what if imagine open source now maybe this is already happening but i'm applying words to it that i think is you know relevant what if there was like a benevolent dictator of these metaverses that created these characters in which their attributes are actually forged as NFTs, and then the community can go and actually build on top of those basic fundamental units of you know character development. And it allows downstream little you know collaborations and creative groups to come together. And you know the attributes of the Superman NFT are sort of, you know set in stone. and so on and so forth. So that allows for more of a conductor role over this content to exist. And they've been building these universes for Marvel and DC for some time. And so Substack gets to be the context in which those creators are producing and sharing that IP. And as long as you know they're building up the momentum of the Substack platform, it all works out.
1: Right, because the the, the main point that I wanted to point out is that they're supposedly allowing... Uh, if if they do have all of this money to get these um, comics creators to come over, they're saying, we'll take our 10% of revenue generated on the platform, but you own the IP. So that's actually different than, again, like some of the models in podcasting where it's like, well, we'll sell this uh, podcast to Netflix and they'll create a Julia Roberts, whatever, out of it. Um, So essentially, you could be a Marvel or DC comic creator and create a new... Uh, new IP on Substack, own the IP, sell it to um, to the movie studios and, and whatnot. But uh, um, so it, they're not doing the thing where they're like, "Well, we also want a piece of that." Um, I so that's that, like
0: the, the behavior is different, right? And so yeah. if we talk about disruptive technology, it it would be foolish to not understand that behavior is technology in the sense that over time, people in industry figured out how to do things. You know, repeatedly, and in in sort of whittled it down to an art or a science. You know, technology is just the application of scientific uh, innovation. And so, if the behavior was to become a studio or an IP holding licensing firm like a Disney or whatever, then the role of the publisher or the licensor or whatever was to get a bunch of creative people, own all the stuff that they produce, and then hoard out for the rest of existence while the creators, you know, make diddly squat. Whereas what the subsec founders have talked about you know which is i suppose in some ways somewhat resistant to that former model is saying we want to enable creators to make a living doing what they're doing and because we're now doing this at internet scale owning ip is no longer the thing that's really valuable what's valuable is the engagement it's the conversations it's you know what's happening between fan and creator and whether fans at scale are willing to pay to have those relationships. So that to me seems like the dynamic that's that's boiling up here. The other thing that I would be thinking about is whether and when and how Substack evolves possibly beyond text. We know that Substack already allows uh, producers to do podcasts, but there's no reason why Substack needs to limit itself to only email newsletters indefinitely. Certainly that's a great place to start, but Amazon started with books and Amazon is no longer just a book retailer. So once they have the creators on the platform and they have this positive sentiment, that's disruptive to the existing sort of creator platforms that existed you know, 50 or 100 years ago that demanded all of that blood, sweat and tears um, and left those artists and creators kind of without, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure there's some licensing proceeds that they get. But nonetheless, uh, a greater sort of, you know, payday up front and a longer term relationship going forward.
1: Uh, Okay, last one. And this can be really quick because, you know, this is neither here nor
0: there. But um,
1: so Apple event uh, on Tuesday, it's probably going to be a snoozer, although we think that the Apple watch. Watch Why do you say that? Um, because it seems like we'll get a screen refresh for the phones, and yeah, like you know, we'll get better chips and batteries and things. <laughs> it's the same
0: thing but, as normal,
1: right? Right, and and the watch will have will look different for the first time. I think right. that that's the most interesting thing to me. Is like if you get one of these new watches, you should be able to by sight be like, oh, that's one of those new watches or whatever. But right. okay, this is super meta. Okay, but because it is so boring we you know and this is this is meta and behind the scenes stuff and this is something that i would never cover because like we don't necessarily cover rumors cuz you know unless it really feels like it's going to happen the whole apple rumor industrial complex exploded this afternoon hmm. with huge rumors about huge changes to the iphone but not the iphone 13 which is coming on tuesday <laughs> All of these rumors exploded with with uh, renders and and things for the iPhone 14, which will be next year, where they're claiming they're they're going to go to a titanium frame. That the, the it's going to be thicker. That the 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 um, phone bump or not the 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 camera bump is going to go away. Which mm. I guess you would have to make the phone thicker to do that. That the the notch is going to go away. All of these things. And again, I'm not saying that there's any comment that we have on this, but I just found it fascinating that... Because like any other um, industry, if something's boring, you still have to... You yeah. still have to, you still have to pay the bills. So it was hilarious to me that all of these rumor sites exploded this afternoon, not about what's happening on Tuesday, <laughs> but about the iPhone 13, the but about next year's. Right, 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 right. Because it's so boring that they had to <laughs> gin up all of these renders about what could happen next year.
0: Anyway, uh, you know, I, I would, I would love to, I suppose you know, bookmark this and come back to it and find out if this was just a big sort of, you know, campaign to like gin up interest and to make the most of it. And it's just a commercial, you know, thing. And it's, it is, you know, fake news. Good
1: Um, point. And, and by the way, if any of these things happen, if like the camera bump goes away on Tuesday, then Hey, you know, (laughs) we, we owe people a huge claim chat or apologies for, it's We'll, 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 yeah. we'll
0: birdwatch this, this, uh, yeah, this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is, that is funny. Well, do you think that we're going to get the MacBook Pros? Because uh,
1: Oh, apps? no. I'm 100% uh, believing at this point we're going to get three Apple events this fall, and we're just going to get the watch and the phone on Tuesday. Yeah. I think that we will get the Mac Pros. I think we'll get the uh, iPad update sometime after that, and then we'll get the Mac Pros as the last thing of the year.
0: Oh, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. Me neither. All right. Well, this was another excellent episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience. Thanks for everyone who came up today and added questions or sent me DMs with your questions. Uh, That is a very nice narrowcasting way of participating uh, in the show. So if you guys want to do that in the future, feel free to do so. We will be here, I believe, next week. And we will talk to you then. Night, everyone. Thanks, guys. Ciao.